to Triple Threat, brought to you by Stickler and Dryer Law Firm. My name is Kyle Jones. I am joined, as always, by my good friends Chance Stickler and Cole Tusing. Special Saturday edition of Triple Threat. Trying to get one in this week after being off for Thanksgiving. We are all in our respective areas, not in the studio today, but the power of Zoom and the power of the internet has allowed us to once again convene and bring wonderful triple threat goodness to your ear holes. So let us begin. And we begin in the world of college football. Specifically, we begin at Faro Field, where just about three hours ago, the Tigers finished up laying the hurt on the Vanderbilt Commodores, 41-0, the final score in that game. And, I mean, all you got to do is look at the box score, and it really tells you all you need to know. Missouri, 603 total yards, limiting Vanderbilt to under 200. Tigers were dominant on the air. They were dominant on the ground. They did not surrender as Winston Churchill would say. And so, Chance, I'll start with you. What did you take away from this game before we even get into the big storyline from it? Yeah, absolutely, Kyle. Uh, It's great to see both of you guys, like you said, via Zoom in the COVID era that we are all living in, that being 2020, um, as we are about to round the corner into the new year. But we are still in 2020 nonetheless. Um, No, it it was a good performance uh, from Mizzou, of course, 41-0. I think everyone kind of expected it to be kind of a in blowout fashion. Vanderbilt, uh, I think, 0-7 going into uh, the game today against Mizzou, of course, in Columbia. Um, but again, you know, we, we talk about the same – you know, we, we do change it up. But the same guys, you know, every single week. Bazelak's really, really uh, beginning to fit that quarterback role just more and more weekly. Week, week by week, he's, he's getting more comfortable in the pocket – uh, he's throwing it better. Um, and then the, the running game's been just phenomenal. I mean, Larry Roundtree third is, is explosive. And there's really – I mean, there's so many other words you could tattoo to him in his college football career at Mizzou. But he's really, really been a, uh, a big threat. Tyler Beatty's also been a big contributor. And if I'm not mistaken, there's – I can't think of his last name, but uh, Dove is also another key player. What's his first name? T-A-U-S-K-I-E. Tuskegee. Yeah. So he's really he's really gotten a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of playing time and really a lot of key receptions um the last couple of weeks. So again, high performing offense. I know it's Vanderbilt. I know it's not they're not playing the best team in the SEC. It's not Alabama or Florida or Auburn or any of these other tough teams. AM. But again, lucky. Exact or exactly. Um, but nonetheless, it was a good performance. Cole, I know you are now home in Chicago. Uh, I assume you got a chance to watch the game. What did you see from uh, Eli Drinkwitz's team today? Yeah, I am at home in Chicago. Um, I actually go back to Columbia early Monday morning. I have a flight from Chicago O'Hare down to St. Louis at like 8 in the morning. So, once again, I know we talked about last week of how I have a very early flight going from St. Louis to Chicago. Now I'm very quickly going back to Columbia for two weeks before I fly back to Chicago for winter break. But, yeah, talking about the 
Mizzou Vanderbilt game. I mean, obviously, Drinkwood said himself earlier in the week saying that he posted the headline saying that they use as motivation what happened last year when Mizzou was nationally ranked at like 22. They were five and one. They were one of the hottest teams in the country after beating Ole Miss on homecoming. And then they traveled down to Vanderbilt where there were more Mizzou fans at Vanderbilt than Vanderbilt. And Mizzou actually lost that game at Vanderbilt. And Mizzou was able to use that as motivation and get the revenge story. And to talk about a few stats, you know, obviously, Chance, you mentioned yourself how there was an equal run tuck with Larry Roundtree, Tyler Bay, Bazelak did his thing, of course. But Mizzou didn't punt once this entire game. How many times will you see that sentence? Yes, it's Vanderbilt. They're not, of course, like you said, Chance, they're not Georgia, they're not Florida, they're not a key part in the SEC. But how many times will you see that sentence that Mizzou will not punt once in a football game? Even take a look at last year where Mizzou won 50 to nothing against Southeast Missouri. Mizzou punted four times. And, and, and most important on that front, Cole, the fact that Missouri's punter, Grant McKinnis, won special, SEC Special Teams Player of the Week last week. So you've got a guy who is putting up Player of the Week numbers, is in the conversation for the Ray Guy Award for Best Punter, and you didn't even have to march him out there once this game. I mean, yeah, touch on, yeah, definitely. And touch on last week, obviously, Kyle, you had the opportunity to call this historic Mizzou-Vanderbilt uh, game. It probably wasn't the scoring output you were looking for, but I was able to call the game last week against South Carolina. Mizzou was able to pull away from the dub and get the Mayor's Cup. But last week, the offense was on fire in the first half, but then they sold it out and the defense saved them. This week, the fire was throughout the first quarter all the way to the final whistle. They even brought in Brady Cook, the incoming freshman. He went four for four. Yeah, and, and I, believe he had, I believe he had a touchdown pass, too. He did. Yep. And talk about the offense a little bit more. I'm going to go out on record and say this. You guys may not agree with this opinion. But I think Larry Roundtree is the best running back in the SEC. He's definitely up there at the top. I don't know if he's – the best yeah but I do know that he is right up there at the top I yeah. also know on that running back front that ground game is what won Missouri this football game because Larry Roundtree was unstoppable Tyler Beatty was somewhat more stoppable but also had the threat of being a very good reliable receiver as well as running back and then if you look at who else got yards, Elijah Young, freshman, hasn't gotten too many touches this week. Now he's getting himself some touches. You know, he got some today. I mean, crazy good. Kid's a freshman. Cole, it's, we're Cole, gonna have, it's, We're going to have four years of Elijah Young making yeah. games. I wanted to follow up on Cole's point for a second about, you know, Larry Roundtree III, of course – and Cole's eyes is the best back in the SEC. I wouldn't say he's the best back in the SEC, but it was funny. My dad and brother, my younger brother and my dad were talking after the game. He's definitely a top 10 running back in college football. Um, and I think that a lot of teams will like the looks of him. He's, I think they said he's 6'2", 220, or somewhere around that mark. Um, but, I mean, he's good in space, and he's also good running the ball. It's, he, he's not only good – with his legs, but he's also good getting out in space and catching short screen passes or a short pass. 
Um, he's definitely a good player, so I definitely agree with that. Um, but putting that all aside, it was a good win from Mizzou. We did have some history today in college one football. Point want, one point I want to make about Mizzou for a second. So the reason why I said that Larry Roundtree is the best running back in the SEC, when you take a look at his resume, he has the most rushing yards by any running back in Tiger history. He had three touchdowns against Vanderbilt. Like, sure, it's nothing to hold strong about. You know, you got three touchdowns versus Vanderbilt, but you still got to give credit where credit's due in that situation. And Drinkwitz has said multiple times in all the pregames that every coach that Mizzou has faced this year, they will intentionally ask Drinkwitz if Roundtree is playing because they're scared of what he brings to the table. Yep. I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely a game changer. No questions asked there. But you did mention it, Chance. History made at Perot Field this morning. Sarah Fuller becomes the first woman to kick in a Power 5 football game. And, and I'll be real with you. <laughs> I, it, I really wish that she had been able to see more time there. We didn't get to see a lot, and that's not her fault. That's not – I mean, it's kind of Coach Mason's <laughs> fault. But at the, at the yeah. end of the oh, day well. – it is very, it is very much Vanderbilt's fault. I mean, they that offense was so stale that they could not even get into field goal range for her to put some points on the board. So the only time we saw this poor woman kick was to start the second half, which was a guaranteed appearance. We knew after after the report came out that she was the only kicker they had brought to Columbia. We knew that we'd see her kick at least once, and that would be to start a half. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was really really special, and you know it's great to you know see young athletes, especially her. She was the first female female athlete, like you mentioned, to uh, play college football in a Power Five conference game. But to all of the young girls who either watched the game, heard about it somewhere. You know, it inspires so many young women to get involved. Um, and you know, and she's and I'm and I'll paraphrase something she said. You know, you have if you if you can think of doing something, essentially, go out and do it. And I think Gene Chizik on the SEC Network said the sky is the limit. And I absolutely 100% agree with it. If you think you can do it and you set your mind to it, then you go all in. And I'm really happy to see that it was really special. Um, Cole, I'm going to ask you a similar question to this whole narrative. You know, A, do we see her in the, com- in the incoming weeks uh, for Vanderbilt, assuming they have their, their, special, their special teams, guys are still in quarantine, of course, which is why this became available, the, the moment became available for this week. And then what do you kind of – what kind of example do you think that she sets now um, like I said, kind of following up on my point for young women and young girls um, in sports. I think it's, that's a great example, you know, touch on your point a little bit. Um, the first thing I want to touch on, yes, Sarah Fuller did make history. She was the first woman to participate in a Power 5 football game. The key word is participate because there was a female a few years ago who sued up for Colorado, but she never touched the field. So Correct. Sarah Fuller does get the credit as participating, even if it was just for a second half kickoff, she did still participate. But touch on your point, 
it definitely does bring a lot of momentum in this kind of movement. But just to touch on it, it needed to go a step further because unfortunately she wasn't able to get an extra point or any field goal offense on the board. I think that would have taken another step up the level to show that, hey, this is acceptable. This is where society is going in the long run. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, we have had in the lower divisions um, of football and in the Fs and in the group of five conferences, there have been, there have been um, a few women who have also played. We had two women uh, play in group of five games, and we've had a couple of women play in FCS and division two and three games. So it's certainly, it's certainly something that has happened in the sport of football. But I think, you know, and she, she might get the chance next week for Vanderbilt against Georgia um, because I imagine their special teams guys will still be in quarantine. I wouldn't put past Vanderbilt to keep her on, on the squad for next week. So yeah. she, she might get a chance against Georgia to kick a field goal. And it'd be huge. You know, not, not just for her to be the first woman to, to play in a Power 5 game, but also for her to be the first woman to score points in a Power 5 game. And it's not like, it, you know, it, 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 just, it would just be so cool. And she would be the one scoring the points. She wouldn't be catching a pass. She would be the one kicking it through the uprights, you know? Absolutely. So uh, a little bit more with this game, of course. So Mizzou beat Vanderbilt earlier today, of course, 41 nothing. Um, so they go now to four and three overall, of course, four and three in conference being that they're only playing conference games. Of course, that decision was made a long time ago before the season started. Now, Mizzou will welcome in Arkansas to Columbia on December 5th. That is next Saturday. And then they will close out the 2020 schedule on the road in Starkville uh, against Mississippi State. Oh, actually, that is – actually, no, I, I apologize. That says it's postponed. The Arkansas game is December 5th, not Mississippi State. So, I, I, on my dime, it shows that Arkansas is Mizzou's last game of the schedule. Is that correct? Have they not um, rescheduled the Mississippi State game? So, they actually have. Okay. So, so, so we got, we got the, uh, the updated schedule um, yesterday, I want to say. Next week's going to be Arkansas. Yep. December 5th. The week after that is going to be either Mississippi State or Georgia. Okay. Hasn't been settled on the two. And then the week after that will be the other one of those two. So my apologies for the confusion on the schedule. So what Kyle just said, the three games in a row. Okay. So the next three weeks, Mizzou will be playing football. And you said Arkansas is we, – we know that's confirmed for next week – and then either Mississippi State or Georgia two weeks from now, and then the th three weeks from now, either one of those teams, whoever Mizzou didn't play in the second week of yes. uh, that three-game uh, schedule. Mizzou is slated to finish their season on December the 19th, which okay. is late, admittedly. Um, it's also um, technically the like end of the semester day for Mizzou students, so that's there's kind of there's something to be said there. Yes. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about college football around the nation. So stay tuned. But quick break here on Triple Threat, brought to you by Stickle and Dry Law Firm. We'll be right back.
You didn't plan this. It wasn't your fault. Someone else made a mistake. But now you're the one paying for it, and your life is forever changed. The attorneys of Stickland and Dreyer can help. Whether it was a car, a trucking accident, a dog bite, a fall, their attorneys will not rest until you've been made whole. When sorry just doesn't cut it, call the attorneys of Stickland and Dreyer today and check out their cases at comoinjurylaw.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. And welcome back to Triple Threat, brought to you by Stickland and Dreyer Law Firm, Kyle Jones, Chance Stickland, Cole Tucson here, and we're going to shift away from Mizzou football and into the broader landscape of college football. And let's check some scores around the top 25 teams as we're recording Alabama. I mean, that's not even a game anymore. 42-6 with seven and a half left in the fourth quarter. Woo-ee, man. Gus Malzahn. I mean, he should be fired. He's he's been on the chopping block for about five years now. Um, but oh man, that's that's ugly. That's really ugly. Um, Alabama's gonna win the Iron Bowl, um, and with that win, this was really the last hurdle to them being confirmed as number one team in the nation. They've got LSU next week. That's not going to be a problem. LSU is not good this year. So I think it's pretty much now a foregone conclusion. It's going to be Alabama as the number one team in the nation. So I guess now it comes down to who's going to be the other three. And right now that seems like Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. So we'll just have to wait and see on the other three teams. But congratulations to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Dear Lord, 42-6. to Moving on from that beatdown, Clemson winning 38-17 over Pitt. That is probably in the bag for the Clemson Tigers. Northwest having to – Northwestern having to come back against Michigan State at time of recording, it's tied at 20. Cole, you're not too far down the road from, from Northwestern. How, how do you think their season's been going? They are a low-key CFP contender. Yeah, it's really weird. And, you know, for the people who haven't heard my story yet, I currently am from the, like, north side suburb of Chicago. I grew up literally five minutes away from the Northwestern campus, so – the coach, Pat Fitzgerald, always jogged by my house like every morning. So definitely great to see Northwestern definitely have success. They're right now eighth in the college ball rankings, right now tied with Michigan State. But it's really weird, the whole Big Ten landscape, with Michigan being disappointed, I understand Penn State being more of a disappointment, and Ohio State where the coach, Ryan Day, tested positive for COVID. And Ohio State's in a situation where if one more game is canceled for them, they cannot go to the Big Ten Championship, and they cannot represent themselves in the cultural playoff. You're looking at, like, a Big Ten Championship with, like, Northwestern Indiana, which if you said that in the preseason, no one will believe you. It's crazy. And that's just the reality of COVID this year is just how it's really affected these games. Uh, Michigan State just tied the game 
2020. Um, so Northwestern had been ahead. They had to come back. At one point, they were trailing. Um, Michigan State scored 10 unanswered points in the first quarter. So it was really all Sparty. Um, but Northwestern has stormed out of the gates in the second half and really taken it to the Spartans. Florida didn't have a problem with Kentucky, 34-10 final score there. Same story with Indiana and Maryland. Terps couldn't take a candle to Indiana. They win 27-11. Coastal Carolina demolishing Texas State, 49-14. The Chanticleers remain undefeated. And, yeah, I know it's the Sun Belt, and they're not going to play any massive teams this year. I am fully aware of that. But at the same time, I would like to maintain the fact they did beat a Big 12 team. They beat Kansas this season. Okay? So they have the win against the Big 12 team. They are also playing Liberty next week in what is genuinely the group of five matchup of the year. And if you're not watching Coastal Carolina Liberty next week, I don't know what the heck you're doing because that game's going to be an absolute blast. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a weak, it's a really weak game, right? They're a weak conference in the Sun Belt. But put some respect on the Chanticleers. And if we get any of these other big boy teams losing, right? If someone higher up in the rankings either loses or, like, you know, doesn't play, I got no qualms about putting the Chanticleers at, like, 15, man. Well, what's, well, inter- what's interesting about that point, Kyle, uh, it, it, that game alone will be a good game. But if you look at two teams that we have been talking about all season long, BYU and Cincinnati, both teams are undefeated. Both teams, I believe, are in the top 15, right? Seven. Since he's at seven, and I want to say that BYU is at ten. Ten, yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and, you, and you brought up a good point about, you know, Ohio State and kind of where they're at right now with Ryan Day testing positive. Of course, the head coach for the Buckeyes. So we wish him well and a safe recovery, of course, from COVID-19. But that does raise the concern, you know, like you said, if they don't play a couple of these games because of some COVID-related issues, then as a football – as the, the CFP – uh committee you know what do you start to do you know it starts to raise a lot of questions you know who do you let in who do you not let in this is a, so this is a very all right so this is a very easy choice to cfp you put in either cincy byu or someone else because alabama is probably going to go number one right alabama's going to go number one notre dame is probably going to go two or clemson three you know give or take who wins the acc championship Obviously, they're not going to be any Big Ten teams because obviously Ohio State is in trouble with COVID issues. Take with the Pac-12, Oregon just lost Oregon State, so they're not in the college football playoff round anymore. The Big 12, Texas just lost to um, – who did Texas I, just lose to? It was, it was, it was Iowa, Iowa State. State. Yeah. Yeah, State. Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State. So it, Iowa State it is. So realistically, it's finally time for Cincy to get in the college football playoff as number four. Well, uh, see, okay, that's where Colin. Okay, that's interesting. I like this. Is why this is why we this is why we have fun talking sports. Here's the deal. Because I think okay, yes, yeah, Cincy's got a great case. They're undefeated, and there's there's some good teams in that in that conference. 
Um, you know, there's you've got your armies, you've got your SMUs who they got tattooed today. You know, you've got you at UCF and and you've got U of H. There's one there's one team though with a resume that if they win out, I think has a better uh, a better case than Cincy. Who's that? And they they currently sit one game outside or sorry one ranking outside of the college football playoff. That is number five, Texas A&M. See, this is where we're going to have some fun because, yeah, A&M is the other option. I think A&M – okay, so I personally think this is what a lot of people have been saying. I think it's going to be – now, this – I'll say – we should give we what we should do is we should give our scenarios with Ohio State and without Ohio State because Ohio State's going to play a, lot, a big difference in what comes down to the wire and the rankings and stuff as the weeks continue to march along here into uh, December. But Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and I'm telling you right now, if Ohio State doesn't make it, I think Florida is that fourth best team. Um, oh. And I and I and I and I, I Cole's Cole's eyebrows just went up a foot, uh, so I know he's uh, he's skeptical about that. But that, that, so the that only re- happens if Florida wins the SEC championship. See that? Yeah, see that, my, see that, yeah I have to agree with Kyle there. The I, only I, reason why I say Florida goes in the college football playoff is if they beat Bama in the SEC championship. Okay, and now see if that then, happens, yeah, I have no problem. See now if that happens, do you guys think that Alabama stays number one? That's yeah, the other question. Oh yeah, it's Bama. One last team. Okay. I mean, take a look at a few years ago with Bama in the college football playoff. They didn't even have to go to the SEC championship, and they still made in the college football playoff. Yep. And then I think that that's 16 – or so. and then I would say number five would be Texas A&M in that, in that scenario. Now, if Ohio State does stay healthy and they continue to play, I think it'll be Alabama, Clemson – Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State for your top four. And then I think – I think A&M and Florida are kind of neck to neck in that five to six spot. Um, so that's that's, that's what I think. So I have the AM schedule pulled up right now. Let's take a look. First week they beat Vanderbilt seventeen to twelve. All right. Then they lose to Alabama at Bryant Denny Stadium fifty two to twenty four. They then beat the Florida Gators forty one thirty eight. They beat Mississippi State and Starkville twenty eight fourteen. They beat Arkansas forty two thirty one. They beat South Carolina forty eight to three. And tonight they have. LSU, LSU, which is probably a win. Next yep. week they have at Auburn, which is probably a win. And then they finish up the year at Knoxville. So realistically, the best win for AM is the Florida game. Which is a good win. C- correct. Yeah. So I've given what I think would be my six teams. And I think that two and three could probably switch around with the teams I gave and possibly that forward spot. But Cole, what are your top your top six teams then? Are we doing it assuming Ohio State does yeah, it? Yeah, so I get – Because it changes everything. Yeah, I know. So I gave it both ways. So I gave it with Ohio State out and with Ohio State in. So you list both of them now too. So list your top six with OSU and your top six without OSU, assuming COVID continues to bang up the Buckeyes. So with OSU, my ranking is Bama's one, Notre Dame's two, Ohio State three, Clemson four. That's my list if Ohio State does, like, finish off the year, they get enough games on their belt. If Ohio State doesn't 
finish off the year. They have enough COVID issues. It'll be Bama 1, Notre Dame 2, Clemson 3, and Cincy 4, and then probably A&M 5. Kyle? So, so here's mine. So with Ohio State, it's going to be Bama at 1, Notre Dame at 2, Ohio State at 3, and then when Notre Dame wins the ACC championship, Texas A&M slides in at four. I like how we're all given a perfect scenario for all of our teams. And, of course, of course, I have to – I've got to give Florida credit because both my parents graduated from UF. So, of course, I'm, I'm a part Florida fan, of course, but I'm, I'm an even bigger Mizzou fan. But I think taking all that stuff out of it, I know Kyle's a big A&M fan being from that area and stuff. Um, and liking that team. And, of course, Cole's ties to, I feel like, five or six different teams that we always talk about. Um, USC, Northwestern, I could – I could Michigan, I could go off on a number of different teams. Kyle, Cole, Cole is laughing, so Cole knows it's true. Anyways, I think that those are all good options. Uh, we do all hope, you know, Ohio State does get healthy and they are able to play. And Ryan Day, of course, recovers safely from COVID. Um, but final thoughts before we head to a short commercial break and then talk about the NFL final college football thoughts. Uh, and this is, what are we in week, uh, man, we are week 13. So final wrap-up thoughts for week 13 uh, of college football. Well, I'll start, and I'll, I'll put it this way. I think with so much crazy stuff going on with, the big conferences, you know, the, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, you know, they're, they've had a lot of COVID problems. There's been a lot of issues with those things. And that's, you know, it's, it's easy to get wrapped up in CFP conversations to the point where we forget about teams like South Alabama and Arkansas State, where Arkansas State is driving with 15 seconds left and they trail by a touchdown. That game is easily – headed for overtime if Arkansas State does what it needs to do, you know? You, you, we forget about these smaller conference games. App State, 6-2 and two this year. They're not even going to make the, uh, the Sun Belt Championship. It's going to be between Coastal Carolina and Louisiana. I mean, these smaller conferences have so much to offer, and they are so fun to watch. I always, I always rave about – you know, Wednesday night Maction. I always, I love watching the Mac. I mean, Ball State Toledo, 27-24 Ball State wins. It's a crazy fun game. Eastern Carolina beating out SMU today, 52-38. SMU was favored by 12 in that game. So, yeah, we love to focus on the, you know, on all the, the bigger conferences and everything. But, Give those give those little guys some love. Give that group of five some love because there's some fun stuff. There's some unexpected stuff. And in the case of, you know, teams like Coastal Carolina, there's some really good stuff on offer for those for those little conferences. Call to you, my man. So I guess my final thought for college football this week on our segment is sticking in Columbia with Mizzou. Mizzou is projecting the preseason to get two or three wins. In the preseason, that was most likely going to be like an Arkansas or Vanderbilt 
uh, Mississippi State. And now Mizzou is looking at finished off the year six and four above 500 record, which is phenomenal because in the preseason, you had Bama, who is Bama. You had LSU, who is in the preseason, they were the defending national champs. You had Florida, you had Kentucky, who has owned Mizzou the last five years. And yet South Carolina is always a toss-up. And as Drink said, take those screenshots home. He remembers Mizzou being projected two or three wins. And now he's looking at that projection like, you know what, this is a great sign for our future. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think to kind of piggy bank or piggyback off of Cole's point about Mizzou, you know, could Eli Drinkwitz be up for, you know, Coach, you know, coach of the year. Um, I know. Well, well, I know. Coastal Carolina exists. Yeah, and they well, they were also saying you know Nick Saban. So there were so some the, other names that were. So the funniest out. thing, well, yeah, the funniest thing about Chance, you mentioned that. I literally was talking to one of my sports friends about that conversation. He was saying that Drinkets has a solid chance of being the SEC Coach of the Year. I mean, and I personally, I see his point, and everything, but in my mind. If I had to give the SEC Coach of the Year to somebody, it's either Dan Mullen at Florida or Jim Bill Fisher at AM. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I meant SEC Coach of the Year, not Coach of the Year completely in all of college football. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Kyle, a uh, little bit of NFL talk to wrap up our special edition of Triple Threat on, on a Saturday after Thanksgiving. Take us to break, and then we'll come back and. Talk about uh, pro football. Absolutely. Break time here. When we're back, it's NFL news here on Triple Threat. We'll be right back. Triple Threat brought to you by Stickland Dry Law Firm here on, uh, on Spotify. You didn't plan this. It wasn't your fault. Someone else made a mistake. But now you're the one paying for it, and your life is forever changed. The attorneys of Stickland and Dreyer can help. Whether it was a car, a trucking accident, a dog bite, a fall, their attorneys will not rest until you've been made whole. When sorry just doesn't cut it, call the attorneys of Stickland and Dreyer today and check out their cases at comoinjurylaw.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. And welcome back to Triple Threat, brought to you by Stickland and Dreyer Law Firm. Kyle Jones here, joined, of course, by Chance Stickland and Colt Dusing, and shifting over to the NFL, where um, in the last hour, the league blew up. That's the best way I can put it. And it all starts with a tweet from Adam Schefter that dropped right as we were starting off our show. And here's how it reads. All of the QBs on the Broncos roster are ineligible to play on Sunday against the Saints after being deemed high-risk close contacts. The Broncos don't have a quarterback for this Sunday's football game. They, I mean, and, and, and on top of that, because we just got a second bit of news. Because this this is for the, this is for the uh, um, you know the Broncos are playing the Niners. Yes. So so on top of you mean that, the, you mean you mean the Saints? I meant the Saints. Broncos are playing the Saints. On top of this, the Niners are also facing a 
precarious situation because San Francisco County just issued a uh, an emergency health code change banning contact sports. So the Niners currently don't have a place to play. Yeah. On top of that, during the Mizzou game, the Lions fired both Matt Patricia and their general manager. <laughs> and on top of that... We got even more news top, for you. On top of that, earlier in the week, we saw that because of COVID tests, the Ravens and the Steelers, who were originally going to be playing on Thanksgiving, were moved to Sunday and then were subsequently moved to Tuesday. So, um, before we even give any game predictions, who the hell's going to be the Broncos quarterback? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I haven't I, – I, I'm looking at the, the headline right now, um, and it's actually – so what's interesting is, according to ESPN, um, so Drew Locke, Brett Ryphon, and Blake Bortles are all ineligible to play against the Saints on Sunday – not because they have COVID, but because they were not wearing masks around Jeff Driscoll, who tested positive for COVID-19 on Thursday. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, I, I don't know. Cole, do you have any uh, thoughts on that? I'm going to give two names for who I think the Denver Broncos should call up to be their quarterback against the Saints. Number one, the Northwestern guy, Trevor Simeon, and the Tim Tebow. I mean, if they could pull him off the SEC network desk in time, then I guess. But, I mean, I saw Jerry Judy just tweeted out like five minutes ago. He said, time to put my Lamar Jackson on. So, uh, maybe it's going to be Jerry Judy as QB1. But, um, I mean, what the heck? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's interesting. What we'll the actual we'll, Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, what happens tomorrow. Starting off with the Week 12 schedule, we had two games, of course, on Thanksgiving. Um, we were supposed to have three, but then, of course, the third game, the nighttime game, uh, got moved because of COVID. And Kyle already mentioned it, that game between the Ravens and the Steelers will be on Tuesday night football, which is, I believe, our second Tuesday night football game of this NFL season. So pretty cool stuff there. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Cole or Kyle's Houston Texans, uh, taking it to the Detroit Lions, 41-25, that being the final. And then the Washington football team uh, really all over the Dallas Cowboys, uh, 41-16. And I watched a little bit of the Washington-Dallas uh, game, and, man, it was close. And then, man, Washington just – they just put the Jets on. And, uh, I mean, they, of course, like I said, put up a huge, a huge win. I didn't see much of the Texans Lions game. Uh, Kyle, what would you, what would be your 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 game analysis uh, from that one? I'll tell you what my game analysis was. We got we got to see vintage JJ Watt for the first time in forever. The Texans defense decided to show up um, like they had never done before, and so JJ Watt got a pick six. He was getting sacks. They were making stops. I mean, you look at the box score. Lions got a touchdown in the first quarter, a touchdown in the second, 
held to a field goal in the third and then a touchdown in the fourth. In the in the grand scheme of things, especially when you got a quarterback who is as dominant on the day as Deshaun Watson, you can manage that. That is not a hard scoreline to beat. 25 points in the NFL, that's a good showing from the Texans' defense. And, and so you look at that and you look at J.J. Watt getting a pick six out of nowhere, frankly, given his year this year. I mean, it was just it was just a dominant performance from the Texans. The Lions looked horrible. Absolutely garbo. And I was in Detroit. I mean, they looked who it was ugly what Detroit <laughs> was putting on that TV screen that I was watching. I I mean I, I, I feel bad for folks in Detroit that you have to witness that crap every week because oh my god. Meanwhile, you know, you look at the Washington Dallas, Dallas, I mean, right, right at the end, they put up a stinker. You know, it was going okay, and then the end there, oh god, which is very on. It's very on brand for the NFC East. You know, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think Washington holds the division lead with four wins, folks. Four wins. They're four and seven. Unbelievable. And I think the Giants are in a. I think the last place. They were last place weeks ago. Yeah, I think the Giants are a close second. Um, yeah, it's it's really like you said. Uh, that division, the NFC East, has really, really been. Uh, it's been. Trash. It's been. It's been. <laughs> it's been something uh, interesting to kind of pay attention to. And like Kyle said, quote, trash. Um, so I, I don't know. But anyways, let's get into the rest of the games on Sunday. Uh, we'll go down the list here. Uh, Raiders and Falcons will play at noon. That's a CBS game. Uh, the Raiders, of course, coming off a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs last Sunday night football game. Uh, and the Falcons are kind of just hanging by the thread. They're 3-7 and seven this season. Uh, the, Raiders are, the Raiders are, I would say, a good, comfortable 6-4 and four team. Uh, Cole, who do you have in this game? Well, first, I want to touch on the Thanksgiving games, the two we got okay. this yeah. year. I just want to touch on it for a little bit. So, first of all, I'm annoyed. I know, Kyle, you're no longer a Houston Texas fan. You're now a Green Bay Packer fan. <laughs> but I just want to say my disappointment that Houston destroyed Detroit enough to, to fire Matt Patricia because guess who has to play Detroit next week? My Chicago <laughs> Bears. And gonna... now that's no longer a free win for Chicago again. Back in the win column because now they're five and five. But let's talk about the Detroit game a little bit more. I put this on Twitter that Detroit should no longer play Thanksgiving football games. Yes, it's tradition. Yes, they played for you know the longest time, but Detroit has not won a playoff game in sixty years. And in my opinion. The NFL should bring teams that bring a lot more revenue, like the Cardinals, the Chiefs, the Saints, the Rams, bring a lot of quality games because a lot more people are going to tune in. The range is going to go way, way higher. I agree. I think, yeah, it's a tradition for Detroit to, you know, to, to be on Thanksgiving, but they don't deserve it. <laughs> they really don't. It's like, it's like when we add, like, 
Dolphins Jets on Monday Night Football earlier this year. It's like, no, neither of those teams deserves a primetime game. Those should be reserved for games people actually want to watch. Yeah, for sure. Cole, did you want to mention anything about the Washington-Dallas game or jump, uh, jump back into the, this week's uh, schedule of games? I mean, I don't know if it's more Washington being dominant or Dallas just being Dallas, you know, going yeah. for a fake punt conversion on, like, your own 30, which Washington surprisingly stopped and that caused Washington to get an easy touchdown. So Washington was dominant. And I'm just going to say this one point. I think regardless of candidates and everything, Alex Smith should get the comeback player of the year. Based on his story coming back, you know, being a life-threatening injury, and now he's playing football again. I think he should be comeback player of the year. I'm just glad he got a win. You know, I'm glad he finally got his win. He deserves it after well, everything. And, I, and the one thing he mentioned about that in his post-game press conference, I believe, was he had surgery on that injury on Thanksgiving. Uh, and I believe I'm, – I'm trying to think it was in – what year was that in? Was that 2017? What year was that that that, that happened? I believe you're right. Okay. Um, so I just thought that that was interesting, um, that, that story behind Alex Smith. And uh, I, I do like Cole's point there. Well, let's jump into the games. Like I said, I mentioned the first game off the top. Raiders-Falcons. Cole, who do you have? This is a no-brainer pick. I picked the Raiders to beat the Chiefs last week, and they almost pulled it off. I was the only one. You guys were the two that picked Kansas City, so I have to pick the Raiders, especially because it's in Atlanta. Atlanta has not given anyone any promise of why you should pick them. Kyle? I've got to go with the Raiders. Atlanta is just bad, man. That that record says it all. Three and seven. One and four at home. Holy cow, they cannot defend home turf. Give me the Raiders here. I think that that team is just flat out better. I I would agree. I'm gonna we're gonna all three pick uh, the Raiders to beat the Falcons. Next one is a three and seven Chargers team going to a seven and three Bills team. Uh, Cole, your your choice here. The 3-7 Chargers are a lot better team than the record shows. It's just unfortunate that Justin Herbert's in a situation where he is able to do a lot of great things as a rookie who I said weeks, probably about a year ago, I remember listening back to our show, um, who was picking the best quarterback rookie in this class. And I said Justin Herbert, you guys said Tua. But Justin Herbert's in a situation where he does a lot of great things, but unfortunately, the defense isn't great, and they blow games. We saw it against the Bengals a few weeks ago. But unfortunately, the Bills' defense is too strong, so give me Buffalo. Kyle? I'm in, I'm in a similar spot. Man, I love Justin Herbert. I have, that, I have that kid on my fantasy football team for a reason. The guy's great. rest of his team sucks, man. That's, that's terrible for him because if, it, if he had a competent defense, he could win this game. But – as yeah. it stands, it's the Bills, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. It's going to be Buffalo all the way. It's interesting that you say that you have Herbert on your fantasy talks. I have Allen on my fantasy, um, on one of my fantasy teams this year. Uh, but I've also got uh, the Bills over the Chargers. Next game, uh, we've got the Giants and the Bengals. Of course, Burrow went out last week. Um, 
ACL, MCL tears, of course, surgery for that. He's out for the season. He'll be back next season. Um, we wish him a safe recovery. But anyways, um, and we do, uh, who do you guys have in this one? Uh, Corey, are you going to go Giants or Bengals? So as we're talking about this game, both these teams are in a horrible situation. Of course, the Giants lost Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. And the Bengals, of course, they lost Joe Burrow, who has been a really good rookie so far. But unfortunately, he's out for the year. So is there a way for both these teams to lose? I can't pick a winner. I mean, technically, they could tie. That is, that is true. Uh, so Cole is 50-50 Cole is on both teams. Uh, Kyle, what about you? I am not 50-50. I think this one goes in favor of the Giants. Yes, they suck. But they actually have a quarterback with working legs. Um, and so because of that, Daniel Jones will lead the Giants to victory. I know it's in Cincinnati. I know the Bengals have been good. But that offense is, that offense is zippity-doo-dah without Joe Burrow. It yeah. sucks. Because yeah. they, they were looking like they were turning a corner as a franchise. Uh, we'll have to wait until next year to see if that is truly the case. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch uh, because it, it, the Bengals do have offensive weapons. I know they've got, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Mixon, who's a really, really good running back for them. And then they've got uh, A.J. Green, I believe, out at the receiver position. Um, so they're not a bad football team, of course. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get his name wrong. It's, uh, Stif is it, no, it's not, Stif is it Stif is Stefanski in Cincinnati? I believe you might be right. I think I'm probably butchering that poor, that poor fellow's name as well. Okay. I just want to make Stefanski sure that I'm getting... the coach. Wait, wait, Kevin Stefanski is the coach at Cleveland. At, Cle at Cleveland. And AJ Green is, and no. AJ Green's injured. Yeah, okay, okay, good. Okay, so I'm glad that Cole came in here and fact-checked me there because that was, that was really good. I'm glad he did that. So, A.J. Green's injured. Kevin Stefanski's in Cleveland. Who's Cincinnati's head coach? A guy with a hat. <laughs> well, that, yeah, and a, and that, is, that is very correct. For our viewers and our, listener, our listeners. Zach Taylor. Zach, Zach Taylor. Taylor. Okay. Anyways, uh, so – Cole's undecided. Kyle and I both are going to pick the Giants. Um, I think it's really interesting, this division, because the Giants will move to four and seven. Then there will be a tie for first place in the NFC, believe it or not, at four and seven. It'll be kind of interesting to kind of see how that NFC uh, East drifts forward um, as the season uh, plays along this season, as we get to the, uh, to, to the finish line eventually um, at the end of the season. Next game, um, we got a really, really good game. We got a 7-3 and three Titans team and a 7-3 and three Colts team in Indianapolis tomorrow at noon on CBS. We've got really two very good offenses. I think Phillip Rivers has surprised a lot of people, um, making the transition from the former San Diego Chargers, now the Los Angeles Chargers, out to Indianapolis. Um, so it, 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 it's been interesting to kind of see him play the – still continue to play in the quarterback role that he's done all his career um, in Indianapolis. And, of course, T.Y. Hilton's a really good player. Um, they've got some really good offensive weapons. Uh, Cole, who do you like in this matchup? The Colts have the second-best defense in the NFL. The Titans have the 23rd-best in the NFL. And I've said this a few weeks ago when I was – 
give my rant about the Bears and Matt Nagy should be fired. The Titans have the worst third-down defense in NFL history. I have to lean on the Colts, especially after they beat the Packers in overtime. I'm in a similar position. I think the Colts' defense is something to be feared. That Indianapolis squad can do a lot of good work. They're playing at home. Yeah, Tennessee's got the the best running back in the NFL, Derrick Henry. But I think the Colts are enough to stop Phillip Rivers and the rest of that team. And while they could do it against some other squads, Tennessee cannot win this football game on Derrick Henry's legs alone. Give me Indianapolis. Okay, so that's funny. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go Tennessee. I I really – what you guys saw what Tennessee did last week in overtime uh, against Baltimore. Uh, they let Derrick Henry w- do what? That's dysfunctional. Do what? A Baltimore team that is over. They, 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 okie dokie. That's a, well, that's a different conversation. Um, I agree with you in some sense, still a good football team. Um, but I, I, as, as long as Derrick Henry's got the, got the ball in his hands and he's, powering his way to the end zone and through defenses. I like their chances. I know that that's their, that's their main source of offense and Indianapolis is pro- might be the better team. I'm going to take Tennessee nonetheless. So I've got Tennessee. You guys have Indianapolis. Again, that game is in Indianapolis Titans Colts tomorrow. Um, let's talk about some other games. We've got um, not a bad matchup in Foxborough this week. Uh, we've got a six and four Cardinals team. Of course, going on the road to face Cam Newton and Bill Belichick's four and six Patriots team. Uh, they've been, they were kind of quiet out of the, the start, kind of quiet to start. They've kind of woken up a little bit the last couple of weeks. I believe, was it last week or this week that Sony Michelle is going to be playing again um, for I the mean, Patriots? Even if, I think it was last week, even if he okay. is playing, they ain't going to win. I mean, it's, it's Cardinals. Okay. It's Cardinals. I'll tell you why. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray has the rainbow connection going on with DeAndre Hopkins. That man could hit DeAndre Hopkins from 75 miles away, and I wouldn't be surprised. That's this funny. team, this Cardinals team is a serious contender, and if they don't win their division, they will at the very least make a wild card spot. For sure, Cole. Are you on this? Are you on a similar path uh, to Kyle, or are you going to take the Pats? So this is a very easy game. I'm also going to pick Arizona and Kyler Murray, but for a different situation reason, why Kyle put? Let's just take a look at the Patriots' schedule. They're not a good football team. Which, for all the people who paid the Patriots for the last 20 years of Tom Brady, this is great to see. They're finally not going to win the division. They're not going to be in the Super Bowl. They just lost to Houston, 27-20. They lost to the Jets. Oh, excuse me, they didn't lose the Jets, but they were in a close on 30-27 to against the Jets, who are the only winless team in football. They lost to Denver Broncos. This New England Patriots team is not good, and the Cardinals team is. Okay, so you guys are both going to ride the Arizona ship, and I'm also going to climb aboard and also join you guys in picking – uh, the Cardinals, again, over the Patriots uh, this weekend. That game is in, again, Foxborough tomorrow at noon on Fox. Um, a couple more matchups to get to. Uh, 
I'm going to talk about it because it's a, it's a competitive division. I know that one of these teams is not as competitive as the rest of them. Uh, but 49ers and the Rams, the game's in Los Angeles. Uh, the Niners are four and six. The Rams are seven and three. The game's a late, can, a late start tomorrow, 3.05 here in the central time zone on Fox. Uh, what do you guys like? Who do you guys like in this game? Yeah, I mean, the, the Rams. I mean, the Niners don't even have, to play, don't even have a place to practice. They've been banned from playing football in their own county. Cole? Yeah, I have to go with the Rams as well. That defense is better than a lot. And personally, myself, that's better than a lot. The defense is a lot better than I personally thought it would be um, this time around. And the Rams are 7-3 at home. I have to give the Rams to you. And I will also join you guys in picking – the Los Angeles Rams over the San Francisco 49ers. Again, that game is in Los Angeles tomorrow. Uh, a late start, 3.05 p.m. again uh, on Fox. Uh, two, uh, th- we'll, get to, we'll talk about the last three games here. Oh, well, we'll talk about – we have four more games. Uh, we've got two more on Sunday night, one on Monday, and then one on Tuesday. Uh, the last two on Sunday night – or the last two on Sunday, that being tomorrow. Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Um, the Chiefs are 9-1. and one, The Buccaneers are 7-4. and four. That is, a, of course, a late game on CBS, 325 p.m. starts here in the central time zone. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, uh, it'll be a really – it's, it's going to be a clash of two really, really great quarterbacks, one really young-minded mind, really one young minded quarterback, and then a veteran, of course, in Tom Brady. Um, Cole, I'll start with you. Who do you have? Tom Brady has had a history of beating Patrick Mahomes, but that history is going to come to an end. I think the Chiefs are going to win this football game. Uh, the Buccaneers looked disappointing last week, and the Chiefs are 9-1, and so I have to give the nod to the Chiefs. As long as that offense does the Chiefs things, I can't go against them. I'm going to tell you what. This is not a question of who wins the football game. The question here is – is Tom Brady going to shake Patrick Mahomes' hand after Patrick Mahomes whips his ass? Because Tom Brady, as we've seen in the past couple weeks, is apparently a sore loser here in the twilight of his career because he has refused to shake hands with those who beat him. Well, Patrick Mahomes is going to beat him. So is he going to shake Patrick Mahomes' hand or not? I did not Tom Brady, just refu- Tom Brady just refuses to shake his dad's hand with Nick Foles. I didn't realize that that was such a concern with uh, Tom Brady over the last couple of weeks in the NFL. I mean, did you not see all the memes going around when the Bears beat Tom Brady on Thursday night? Tom Brady walked up and refused to shake no. hands with Nick Foles in the week after – he shook hands with Derek Carr because the Buccaneers won. Gotcha. No, I haven't seen that, but that that but that's interesting. So you guys are uh, both going to ride with the Chiefs. I'm also being the loyal Chiefs fan that I am and that I always will be. I will ride with the Kansas City Chiefs here. Uh, Chiefs over the Buccaneers. All three of us have that. Um, again, Chiefs over Buccaneers. Uh, the game is at 3:25 p.m. Uh, on CBS. All righty. Let's talk about the Sunday night football game. I'm going to set it up for our Chicago native. Um, we got the frozen tundra coming into play. We've got, uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I saw on the scroll this morning on television, 
that Mitch Trubisky is going to be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. I'll let Cole give his uh, – 10-minute will probably turn into a longer spiel about how his Bears are so good, uh, but Cole, go for it. And I'm just kidding, by the way. If you want my rant of why the Bears are so good, you need to rewind a few weeks ago when the Bears were 5-1 <laughs> and one in first place in their own division. That's now funny. the Bears are 5-5 five and five after losing to Minnesota. The Bears just gave Kirk Cousins his first ever win in the NFL on Monday Night Football. The Vikings were a two-and-one team, and the Bears' offense just looked bad as always. The offensive line is easily the worst in the NFL, worse than the Giants, worse than the Jets. And, in fact, it hurt the Bears' quarterback situation so much that Nick Foles may be out for the year, and now you have to turn to Mitch Trubisky, which, honestly, the only advantage that Mitch Trubisky brings to the table, he's not as good of a passer as Nick Foles, but the advantage is – the Bears' O-line is so bad that Trubisky is able to move with his legs and get you maybe some decent yardage. I'm not saying he's going to run for first downs, but at least some positive yardage considering the offensive line is that bad. So who do you have? I have to pick Green Bay, especially in Lambeau. The Bears' offensive line, unless it becomes a competent threat, I can't pick against the Bears. Okay, and 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 for now, in in trans, I wanted to set Kyle up to, and for anybody who hasn't been listening or wasn't listening a couple, I don't know if it was last, I think it was two weeks ago, um, if I'm not mistaken, and Kyle can correct me. But Kyle has now gone from being a Houston fan to a Green Bay fan, and I think it's interesting that he brings that up. I think that's interesting that he's now a Green Bay fan. I'm sure that will deteriorate after the after this season. Um, and Houston makes some Houston makes some changes in the offseason. But and Cole is giving me all sorts of smirks and weird looks. But anyways, Kyle, the floor is yours. Who do you have in this game between the Bears and the Packers? I will tell you that my exile from from my Houston Texans fandom will only end when Jack Easterby <laughs> leaves the franchise, which doesn't seem to be coming. So it's gonna be go pack go for a while. I've got the pack. And I'll tell you why. Angry Aaron Rodgers is about 25,000 times better than anything Mitchell Trubisky can put on a football field. It really is just <laughs> that simple. There ain't nothing that, this, that the you know, Bears offense is going to do against the Packers. And then Aaron Rodgers can do enough against the Bears defense to where it's not going to matter. So give me the pack. It's not really that hard. It's supposed to only be 44 degrees in, in Green Bay, so it's not really frozen tundra. But still, I mean, Packers going to win. Yeah, I think that that loss that the Green Bay Packers suffered last week to Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts was not something that Green Bay had planned. It was really – it was a good game. Um, Aaron Rodgers, they, they did not play as well, of course. They did not play – up to the expectation, I would say, that the Colts did, and they were playing in Indianapolis, so credit to the Colts for that win, of course, last week against the Packers. I'm also, uh, also going to take the Packers. Um, the, the frozen tundra is the frozen tundra for a reason. Green Bay, um, that's Green Bay's home. Um, I like Green Bay in this game, and I think that – Foles being out will play a – I don't know if significant role, but it'll play a role in that offense. 
Um, I have David Montgomery in fantasy, and I know he's been kind of up and down uh, for the Bears this season. Um, but, yeah. I mean, David Montgomery's a great running back. But the oh, problem is there's no yeah. O-line to protect him. So that, that's what I'm saying. Much production. Exactly. So he, he's a really – yeah, like I said, he's a really good running back. But, again, like, like Cole said, the, the, Bears o, the Bears O-line, the offensive line is really not that good. So three of all three of us here uh, on the show are going to pick the Packers to beat the Bears. Again, that is Sunday night football in Green Bay uh, on NBC. All righty. Jumping ahead now to Monday Night Football, we've got the Seahawks traveling to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, to and brotherly hate the past couple. Well, weeks. I, I know, but I was trying. I was trying to set that one up. So they're going to play uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who, like Kyle said, it's not been a it's not been a fun year. Um, but again, seven and three Seahawks team and a three six and one Eagles team. Cole, who do you have in this game? This is such an easy pick, and it honestly should not be. It was a mistake to put these two teams together on a Monday night football game because there's a huge discrepancy with the quarterback play. You have the Seahawks, where Russell Wilson is the favorite for MVP. Then you have the Eagles, where Carson Wentz is the worst quarterback in football. So you Okay, so, so Cole's riding with the Seahawks based on that statement, and I, I, I know he agrees with that. Kyle, who do you have? I'm in a similar position. I think uh, I think that the Seahawks are going to win this game. But I think it's down to guys like DK Metcalf, who is going to absolutely torch this poor Eagles secondary. Eagles are favored by five and a half over or under forty nine. I'd bet on the Seahawks there if I was if I was you, because that, that's going to be a that's going to be a good a good hit for the Seahawks. I think they're going to steamroll the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. I think another name that you – and I know that, they're, that he's very good. Uh, Tyler Lockett's also been very, yes. very, uh, very, very good. Beast Tyler Lockett. I tried Correct. to get a fantasy team a few weeks ago. Yeah, I've got Russell Wilson in one of my uh, fantasy football leagues of the season. So, anyways, all three of us are riding with the Seattle Seahawks over the Philadelphia Eagles again that game on Monday Night Football in Philadelphia. 7.15 p.m. start here in the Central Time Zone on ESPN. All righty, last game to get to for this week in the NFL, that being week 12. We've got the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a really uh, – it's, it's been a rivalry for a long time. Um, it's usually a nasty rivalry. It's a, it gets fist feisty, um, if you want to call it that. It's usually – Usually a really, really good football game, though. Um, the Ravens, like Kyle mentioned earlier in the show, not playing their best football. Um, Lamar Jackson will not be playing because of he had tested positive for COVID. So hopefully he recovers safely from that. In addition to that, I believe that Ingram and Dobbins also tested positive for COVID-19 on that Ravens roster. So those guys also won't be playing um, in that matchup. So – the best to all three of those guys in a safe recovery from COVID-19. But anyways, um, we've got an undefeated football team here in the Steelers. And I've been kind of talking, could they go undefeated? I don't know. They've got a couple more games left. Who do you guys like in this, uh, this Tuesday night football matchup? Gotta be the Steelers, frankly. I mean, Baltimore and I mentioned it. I think Baltimore is a little bit of an imposter. They, they've looked very dysfunctional. The past couple of games, Lamar Jackson, 
I think there's something wrong, man, because he does not look himself. And maybe it is, maybe it was COVID related. Maybe he's got some COVID fatigue. He was put on the COVID, you know, list. He was, you know, diagnosed, said he had COVID. So maybe it was some fatigue related stuff, but he did not look himself against the Titans. Didn't even look himself against the Patriots. And he's not even going to be looked at against the Steelers, I'd imagine, because of COVID. So, give me Pittsburgh. Cole. This is probably going to be a clean sweep game between the three of us. I have to pick Pittsburgh as well. It's being played in Pittsburgh, that defense. When you take a look at the top five sack leaders in the NFL, there's three players on that list. All three of them are Pittsburgh Steelers on that defensive line. And talk about the Ravens for a second. Lamar Jackson is leading the team in rushing yards. That's because the offensive line he has is not as good as last year. His offensive weapons are not able to catch a pass. And Lamar Jackson's not being an accurate thrower as he used to be. So Lamar Jackson is really getting hit hard with the Madden curse. So I have to pick the Steelers. Yeah, and I want to point out, too, we mentioned the the injuries um, that are costing the Ravens this week. Uh, or in, in the next week, I guess, technically on a, tu- on a Tuesday night. But James Conner is also out uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he'll play. That's, uh, he's usually – or he's a big contributor. He's a, a really good running back uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But anyways, um, yeah, we've all three got uh, Pittsburgh here. Um, so, again, Steelers over Ravens. That game is on Tuesday night. Um, that is December 1st. 7 o'clock p.m. start here in the Central Time Zone on NBC. All righty, fellas. Final wrap-up thoughts about anything sports-related, NFL-related, college football-related, or just anything that you want to, you know, get out there. The floor is yours, Cole. We'll start with you. Well, I guess since, you know, it's November, almost December, um, not only is Thanksgiving over, so in my opinion, it's – an appropriate social time to start listening to Christmas music. In my opinion, Christmas music is appropriate the day after Thanksgiving. And to touch on December, of course, college basketball tipped off. I currently do some writing stuff for UCLA. And UCLA was recently, last night, in a triple overtime game against Pepperdine. Nice. Yep, the waves making waves in Pepperdine. I'm huh? going to flash back to a conversation about Denver um and and we we talked about you know who the heck is Denver gonna put in a quarterback they're in a tough position trade deadlines pass they can't go and get anybody for trades but I will tell you there's a very interesting free agent who is ready willing and able to play on Sunday his name as both of you may know, is Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> Cole, Cole's, Cole's face there. was was he really was really yeah. interesting there for a second. Yeah, if there was ever if there was ever a chance to give the man a shot, and John Elway won't. John Elway hates him. But if there was ever a way, uh, if there was ever a chance to give this guy a shot. A one-off when literally no one else can play seems like the time. Yeah, it's uh, that's interesting that you bring that up, and I and I agree with you. I don't think that Elway will will bring him in. 
um, to play tomorrow. Of course, now that we're, you know, very few hours now we're, you know, what are we under 10 hours till the start of tomorrow's games, uh, something like that. So, but I, I, I yeah, I don't know. That's, that's interesting that you say that. Um, no, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's been interesting. I'm glad that, um, you know, we're all three safe, healthy, and uh, to my knowledge, all of our families are also um, the same way, which is very, very important this time of the year. And I wanted to mention, you know, too, because we're a part of KCOU, to all of our KCOU fellow colleagues and all their families, I hope safe um, and good health to across the board, um, not only in our sports family, but our entire staff, um, because we do have music, news, sports and if i'm uh, am i missing a category oh, that's right you okay it. that's what i thought so new news music and sports wishing good and safe health to all of our colleagues and families out there who are i'm sure in all parts of the country right now um as the uh covid19 continues to uh you know really spread rapidly um and i know that thanksgiving was one thing that scientists and health experts were really worried about um so again to everyone listening to this, you know, you've got to continue to do your part, wear a mask, you know, practice safe social distancing, wash your hands, um, and just kind of limit who you're around, limit big, large gatherings. And I know people don't need to be told this, but it's so important that we continue to reiterate this. And we don't really talk a lot, a lot about this on our show, but now that we're kind of to the end of the year, I know vaccines are on the way. I know you guys are probably stoked about that and stoked to hear the news about that. Um, but that's all I've got to say. So, again, wishing good and safe health to all of our KCOU colleagues and all uh, departments across the board. Um, and, yeah, I hope you guys have a good finish to your semesters. I know that we've got one more semester to go after this, and then all three of us will be – I don't know if we're going to be walking across the stage or receiving our diploma via Zoom yet. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm – fingers crossed, prayer hands, that we are able to – walk across the stage next May. Um, but I know that all three of us have worked super hard this semester and continue to work hard, um, as do all of our friends um, at Mizzou. So that's all I've got to say. Kyle, I'm going to send it back over to you to, for our final thoughts um, before we close this show out. Absolutely. Thanks once again for tuning in and listening to our silly voices here on Triple Threat. Final score before I send things out. Michigan State upsets number eight Northwestern 29 to 20, knocking Northwestern out of playoff contention and really just opening the door for a load of possibilities in the Big Ten. But that'll do it here on Triple Threat. Thank you once again for tuning in. We will try to be back next week, hopefully in the studio for another edition on KCOU. So do tune in for that. But for now, stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your weekend.